they looked forward to this day when this Messiah would rescue them from all of their issues and problems. So what we read in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, which again Jeanette sang for us, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Oh, We're upping the ante here as we go along. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, compare and contrast this to our political world today. You know, we're looking for somebody to help us and to rescue us from all these things with an authority, but also the ability to accomplish things. Now, Israel not only looked upon this particular scripture, but they also looked upon the scripture of how this would be accomplished in the book of Isaiah, going back just a couple of chapters to Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and will call his name Emmanuel. Now, not only does it tell us about a virgin, a sign, it also tells us about one other thing, Emmanuel, which, by the way, means God with us. Now, Mary had the incredible phenomenon. You talk about God with us. She got to know Jesus nine months before men did because she conceived, was conceived in her. She carried Jesus for nine months, and she gives birth. So she had a contact, a connection with him before men did in this regard. But the, the bottom line is it, it's a prophecy about who he is and what he will do when we think about that. So we have these things as prophecies, and they're looking forward. Now let's take a look at the event itself. And your notes probably say Matthew 18, but it's actually Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 that we want to go through. And we're going to take a look at the event and how this all happened. All these things are very, very encouraging for us to see. Now, so it tells us about the birth of Jesus. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary, and notice here Matthew is saying Jesus Christ, because we're going to start with here. And what we're going to end with is the prayer of Jesus in John 17. Because in John 17, verse 3, when it's talking about eternal life, it is the only time in the Bible that Jesus refers to himself in those two names, Jesus and Christos, or Christ, or Messiah. That's the only place. And it's a place where he is praying to the Father. So we get to know him not only as Jesus, but we also get to know him as Christ. But it's talking about here, Matthew is recording, Jesus Christ that came about the mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. This is another incredible thing about God. He doesn't do things exactly the way we would think they do it. You're going to, if you're going to have a, a child born, but then again, the prophecy, a child born of a virgin, 
what you mean is that she was a virgin before she met her husband, and then they had sex and we conceived a child. No, a child born of a virgin. That doesn't make sense. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit for us all to understand. There is a lot of controversy around when Jesus was born and when Jesus was conceived. The fact Isaiah 7 verse 14 says he's born of a virgin was going to create some controversy. We're going to go on later and we're going to see that there's argumentation as exactly where he came from. Because the argument with the people of Israel was this. No, he came out of Galilee, and the scriptures tell us that he must be from Bethlehem. And so there's division around all of those things. Jesus has controversy with them oftentimes because he says, you search the scriptures, and they speak about me, but you're not listening to all of these things. Now, I say these things because there is controversy around Christmas. Just give you a few examples. The fact that it's called Mass. Christ Mass. Mass is Catholic, so you can't have anything to do with Christ Mass. Or that it's on December 25th, and that's the time of the solace. And you can't have anything to do with that. And we don't really know what date they was born. There's no exact record of all those things. It's kind of like the three days and three nights. How do you get three days and three nights out of Friday to Sunday morning resurrection? Should it be in the middle, Wednesday to Saturday? That's a controversy. But the point I want to make is that Jesus was resurrected. That is the point. The point here is that God sent his son, Jesus, an incredible event... Which, by the way, he not only sent, he sends a heavenly choir along with all of this. He deals with these other individuals. He does all of these things. And in this case here, he's telling us about how all this came about and happened. I know there are people, for example, who don't know their birthdays. Their date. There, there are actually numbers of people who don't know their birthdays. And do you not celebrate it? Well, I don't know your exact date, so you're not going to, we're not having any birthday party for you. You're, you're a lesser citizen, as it were, because we don't know exactly. Now, I know, I don't know if Carol's mom did this, but if you've been married 71 and a half years and, and the like, Ms. Frank, um, if you've done a few things like my wife and I have, I have when it comes to our anniversary, we don't always celebrate our anniversary on the exact day. We celebrate it when we get a good opportunity and it doesn't always happen. But we always celebrate our anniversary because it's an incredible, wonderful event for, for the two of us, our anniversary. So I'm, having, I'm saying all of this to kind of eliminate the controversy that sometimes comes with all of these things. The reality is God sent his son, and he sent him in an incredible way, which, by the way, if you want a Messiah, you don't want a baby. Not right offhand you don't want a baby and think this, this is my salvation. Israel would have liked for Jesus the Messiah to come in great white horse and, and put down all rule. 
Now, God did it in an incredible way, and this, these are some of the things that we must understand and appreciate. So Mary had an appreciation. Mary, did you know that this little baby that you're holding is the very Son of God? You're looking into the face of God. This is going to be important because we're going to make a connection as we end the service today because we will have communion at the end of the service. Members, did you know that when you take that bread, you take the very body of Christ and it is God within you? Do you know when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, it is God within you? Do you know that Christ lives his life in you? Do you know you hold God in your hands, as it were? And I'm using that as a metaphor and appreciation. Jesus has not left us out of this equation of having a relationship with him. Did you know that when God's Spirit unites with our spirit, we cry, Abba, Father? We have a relationship with God. Do you know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, rose up and sits at the right hand of God? He is the firstborn of many brethren. He is our high priest, our king. He is our intercessor. Do you know that now? And do you appreciate that now? Or are you going to say, you know, Lord, I'll celebrate this great event somewhere down the road. I'll celebrate your birth the day you die, as it were. No, we celebrate, and we have cause to celebrate. God celebrated, and, and we do as well, all that it means. So, saying that, a little bit of a digression, because Joseph was a husband, righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her, which is what, quote, any good guy would do, you think. Well, I'll, I'm being really gracious to you. I'll just put, put you aside on the, on the quiet, as it were. But after he had uh, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And he did exactly that. Now, so we see this as an event, a savior of the people. Now let's take a look at how God responds to that event. Because you see, if God's pretty excited about it, then I think that we also can be really excited about it as well. In Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 27, we read this again. In verse 25. Now there was, whoops, I'm, I'm in, I want to start actually with verse 8. We'll get to 25 in a moment. And there were shepherds living in the fields, or out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And this whole situation, both with Mary, with Gabriel coming, the angel is reminding, don't be afraid. I, will, I, will, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is, now this is what the angel, he is Christ. He is Messiah. That's who he is, the Lord. 
And this will be a sign to you. You will find him, the baby, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And then God sends his heavenly choir. Suddenly a great company. Now, not a little company. A great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Again, we find God favor in all of these things. And when the angels had left them and gone to the heavens, the shepherds said, One to another, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, again, we find this happening. So, it is, again, an acknowledgement of the Messiah coming and who he is. Now, we want to take a quick look at the message of the Messiah. And here is the message of the Messiah, beginning here in Luke chapter 4, verse 17. Luke chapter 4 and verse 17, we find Jesus here saying, The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. This, there's intentionality to all of this. Jesus, this is not what I'm looking for, Isaiah 1, 2, or 3. I'm looking for this. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. A Messiah anointed one. He has anointed me. What has he anointed me to do? To preach good news to the poor. I don't know how many of you might feel like you're rich, you know, physically rich. I think all of us feel that we're very rich because we're very blessed. But he says, I've come to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And people in our, the world in which we live, people are prisoners to all kinds of things, to anxiety, fear of the future, fear of the present, fear of the past. They're locked up. They can't enjoy anything. I've come to provide freedom for prisoners and recovery of the sight to the blind to release the oppressed. I, when I think of I, oppressed, I think also of the depressed. Because depression oppresses people. The people are oppressed. We live in a world where all kinds of people live under. Millions and billions of people live under oppression. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Not a thousand years later or two thousand years or at the beginning of a millennium or all these things. No, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ear. Now, it's, what was the problem? Was there a problem with that? Yes, there was. The problem is they go on to say, but this is Joseph's son. Who is he? You know, who's this baby? And I think sometimes we can, when we look and we think about the birth of Christ and the celebration, we can be like that. Well, who's, what, this is just a baby. Who is he? Now, but we have to stop for a moment and put ourselves in God's mind. God is saying, here's how I'm going to send you this incredible gift that is going to save it's going to teach you so much. And I'm going to rehearse what I've said before about this. Here's what it's going to teach you. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
God is saying now, by doing this as well, I want you to know and to understand from a physical point of view that God can dwell in you. Jesus dwelt in Mary for nine months. God can dwell in us in an incredible way. I would also like to show to you that something that is fully human, who lives through the gestation and is born, can live, die, be buried, be resurrected, and ascend to heaven. You got a chance. You got a chance. There is a hope. There is a glorious future. By the way, I want to also show to you that something that has died, and in our case, gotten old, wrinkly, can't hear, can't taste, can't do this, can't do that, can be resurrected and glorified. Not just a, a little, but glorified. I want to show you all these things. I also want to show you how intimate that, uh, that God is. Because, you see, Jesus didn't come into this world fully clothed. I mean, babies aren't born that way. You know, he didn't come born with a crown on and a robe and a royal and all that. He came as one of us. He's just, here I am. This is me. God in the flesh. Warm, cute, cuddly, innocent, pure and we can hold on to. And it shows the incredible care of God. So it teaches us a lot in that regard. So, prophetically, Moses talked about this in Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 and 19. He says, there's one coming after me. Listen to him. Jesus also repeated that to the disciples as well. Here's what, here's what we find. That Jesus tells, and here's, the, here's a, another incredible encouraging thing for us, for, for us to understand. Who did Jesus reveal himself first to as Messiah? He revealed himself of all people to a Samaritan woman who had five, had had five husbands. Okay, and who does he say he is? The, the woman, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well says these things. You know, the Messiah, the Christ, will come. Anyhow, please sit down. Thank you. The Messiah will come. And Jesus tells her in, in John chapter 6, I am he. I am the Messiah. That's what Jesus tells him. Now, Jesus, now we look at the Messiah's message. What is the, the Messiah's message? Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way. I have come that the truth sets you free. And then he, he tells this woman that he is the one. He is the Messiah. Now, in his prayer, getting now to the prayer, he tells her, uh, he, his prayer to the Father is this. And this, this is, again, a reminder and a definition of what eternal life is. In John 17, verse 3, it says, this is eternal life. To know the Father and the Son He sent, Jesus Christ. He uses that. We need to know Jesus as Jesus, 
We also need to know and understand who he is as Messiah. He is our Lord and our Savior, and we have salvation through him. And God gives us this whole human process that is exemplified and and carried out through Jesus. And then Jesus tells his disciples again, in terms of the night that they took bread and they took wine, he gives them this. He reminds them, do this in remembrance of me. Now, again, here's one of those sticky points sometimes where you think, well, God, why don't you explain this more fully? He explains to them and tells them, take this, you know, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And, of course, he had a lot of people said, no, you can't do that because Scripture says you shouldn't do that. You cannot do that. And we're not going to do that. And they left him. Of course, then Jesus comes along later and, and says and reminds them, this, this bread is my, is my flesh. This wine represents my body. And it is in this kind of context that God does a lot of things, and we have to have faith in who he is. We have to have faith and understand that through a child that is born, God saves us. Through a, his only begotten son, his one and only begotten son. Through this child, we see God. As Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it's, here's what we find. We have Jesus, who is God in the flesh, who is Lord of Lords, who is King of Kings. He is the Messiah. He is the child that is born unto us. He is the Emmanuel, the God with us. He is all of those things. And as the song says, come and let us worship him, Christ the Lord. And by the way, and I mentioned this because several years ago I gave a sermon. What do wise men do? Well, according to the wise men, they came and they worshipped him. By the way, did they get there on his birthday? No, they didn't. Did they celebrate? Yes, they did celebrate. We have so much to celebrate. And, and the, the doing of what God has done is incredible and wonderful. So at this time, we get to celebrate. Yes, we're not like Mary, where we hold the child in our hand and kiss him and all of those things and adore him and the like. But we get, as it were, to hold the Lord in our hands, the broken bread and the wine, and we get to know that we have a relationship with him. Because the broken bread pictures the broken body of Christ. He knows what it's like to be human. He was tempted at all points as we are without sin. But he also knows how wonderful it is to have a relationship and to be clean and innocent and pure and all those things that Jesus always was and certainly being born as a child demonstrates to us because his blood washes us clean from all sins. And Jesus said, come. Come to all of us. Come, let us worship him. So I'm going to, I have the symbols up here. And I'm going to ask a blessing on it. And then, well, I ask those who are going to partake in the communion to come forward. And we'll 
Lynette, I'm going to pass it out to you. Jeanette, would you be so kind to help me out? And Karen, would you help me out? We'll ask the blessing, then I'll have you ladies pass it out to them. So join with me in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you very much for the opportunity to come before you. Thank you for your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Thank you that we can participate in communion because the one thing that is outstanding in Jesus' prayer is this, that they may be one as we are one. You became one of us. And through communion, through the incarnation of our Lord God, we are able to rejoice as brethren of yours, friends of yours, and we now take these symbols and we remember you. We remember you and all the things that you are. The Messiah, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Emmanuel, the Jesus, the begotten, one and only begotten, our elder brother, our friend. So we ask your blessing upon the bread and the wine, and we give you thanks for all of this. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So take, um, if you will, take the bread and the wine, and we'll take it all together. You know, we think about, for most, you know, when it comes around to Christmas time, the time you get to spend with family and be, fill your part with one another and rejoice. And remember this, that God is the great gift giver. He, he has given us an incredible gift in Jesus. So, when we get all ready here. Brethren, Jesus, one of us, and we can be a part with him. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to feel broken, beaten down, and all of this. To our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Jesus introduced himself as Messiah to a Samaritan woman, obviously filled with sins. He wants us also to know what it's like to belong and to be cleansed. And it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be cleansed. To our Lord Jesus who cleanses us of all sins. Amen. Now, on a personal note, I want to say a couple of things. I think I'm, we're entering now my 20th year of being here. I want to thank all of you for your love, for the Lord, for your service to God, for your friendship, for the fellowship, 
for the gifts that you give in smiles, encouragement, your love for one another, uh, your kindness, um, your being like Christ and letting Christ live in you. Um, Every year we unwrap a new layer, as it were, and we get to enjoy one another. And I just want to say, on behalf of my wife and I, thank you so very much for your love, your care, the hope you give to us, and your faith in God. May you all, and and we're going to conclude on this, uh, Dave, actually, this today. In fact, this is what I will conclude with, the benediction. So if you'll, um, this is from the book of Hebrews. This is my, my personal favorite benediction. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and through 21. Listen carefully. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us who is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Feeling the blues today or tired of life already? Do you have questions about life or need spiritual advice? The Worldwide Church of God is located in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto, California. We welcome everyone to attend our worship services with us every week at the times listed on your screen.